ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Yeah, I've been working non-stop since I've come here and I apologise for the results. I keep saying that. But to doubt my commitment to the job, I think, is a bit red hot. So we're not going to deal with any of those questions any further. So I'm happy to talk about Wales. I'm happy to talk about Portugal. If you want to keep going down that line, I'll excuse myself. So do you want to decide what you want to do? That's Wallabies coach Eddie Jones evading questions on whether he might abandon his Australian rebuilding mission in order to take a job with Japan. That storyline sums up some of the dysfunction with Aussie rugby right now. As the Wallabies confront their disastrous World Cup campaign following a historic defeat to Wales, rugby fans are growing furious at reports the man sold as a saviour could already be eyeing an exit. How did it go so wrong? And what steps could be taken to try and turn Australian rugby around? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Catherine Murphy covers rugby union for ABC Sport. She is in Lyon and has watched firsthand as Australia was almost certainly punted from the Rugby World Cup. Murph, how would you describe that performance from the Wallabies against Wales and where does that rank in terms of low points for Aussie rugby? For me, Patrick, and you say I was there to watch, I feel like a witness right now. It was just devastating, Patrick. Obviously, this was a must-win match. And if the Wallabies couldn't get a win, even a bonus point for losing it by less than seven, that would have been a positive. But an absolute thrashing in a game that's so important, so pivotal to Australian rugby, is a massive blow for the game. There is no doubt about that. It had been a really tumultuous week coming into this game. And, you know, fans travelled to that stadium. They made the journey hoping that they could see a Wallabies performance that would turn the World Cup around. And they certainly didn't get that, Patrick. Tim Horan said in the build-up. Wales up against Australia. Probably the biggest game, I reckon, for the Wallabies in professional rugby in the future of the game. I think he's right because of where Australian rugby is at. And quite frankly, it was depressing to watch. Coach Eddie Jones made bold selections to bin experience and focus on youth for this tournament. That has plainly not worked. Is there a sense the coach would like to have those decisions over? I think that you will never hear Eddie Jones saying, I'd like to have my time again and I would make different decisions. I was put in this job to turn Australia around and I don't think I could have done it with the players that had been playing. I think we needed a fresh change. He said that you need to go through pain. And, and a process, unfortunately, takes time. It takes some pain. Sometimes it takes more pain than it does pleasure. But I think the selection decisions, that juncture where he chose to go with youth was really exposed today, Pat, because the Welsh are the antithesis of that. There are guys on the field, you feel like they've been around forever. Dan Bigger, those guys in Welsh rugby, George North, another household name, they are the guys that young players can look to when things get tough and young Wallabies players didn't have anyone to look to. Yes, they had James Slipper, but it felt like he was out there on his own. 
we know that Michael Hooper didn't make it to the World Cup, the veteran. There's been a lot of talk about quite Cooper not being selected. Bernard Foley, it was really difficult because when the chips were down, there wasn't that experience on the field for the young players to look to. And when you talk about young players, you've got to think in particular of Carter Gordon, There's been talk about him not having anyone to go to, to get support, to discuss that. I would think that maybe privately, Eddie Jones is thinking, maybe, just maybe, now he's seeing the reaction to this historic, for all the wrong reasons, World Cup campaign. Maybe privately he will think, Pat, I wish I'd taken a few experienced players along. It's a bold play to use the biggest tournament in the sport as a long-term rebuilding exercise. So you'd certainly want to ensure you're personally committed to finishing that job, I would assume. That's why rugby fans were shocked to read reports in the Sydney Morning Herald leading into this game that Jones had interviewed for the vacant Japanese head coach position. How did Jones reckon with questions about that this morning? We were all shocked when we read that story. I mean, a week is a long time in the Eddie show when you're covering the Wallabies. I will say, Pat, at the press conference afterwards, he was asked about that relatively early. He was asked, did you interview for the Japanese coaching role? I don't know what you're talking about, mate. He wouldn't entertain discussions about it. He was asked again. I I really take umbrage at the questioning that people are questioning my commitment to coaching Australia. Yeah, I've been working non-stop since I've come here um, and I apologise for the results. I keep saying that. But to doubt my commitment to the job, I think, is a bit red hot. So we're not going to deal with any of those questions any further. So I'm happy to talk about Wales. I'm happy to talk about Portugal. If you want to keep going down that line, I'll excuse myself. The questioning did continue, though. And while he did say he's committed to Australian rugby, when there was a follow-up question saying, will you coach the Wallabies next year? I'm committed to coach Australia. Next year? I'm committed to coach Australia. That doesn't sound very definitive, Eddie. Thank you. Next question, please. So very careful with his wording, but twice, Pat, he denied that he has done an interview with the Japanese rugby team. Now, earlier today, Phil Waugh did a quick press conference just before the match, and he was asked, what if Eddie Jones is lying to you? What if he's telling you he didn't do that interview, but he has been on Zoom with Japanese rugby? What happens? Phil War said, well, that would be disappointing, but I have to take Eddie at his word. Just a fascinating build-up to the game. The captain, Dave Parecki, was asked if the players thought about that story, if they'd read about it, how they'd reacted to it. And he said, no, he played it down. Um, I don't think many of the boys were aware of anything, to be honest. Um, We've had a good week prep. It's got nothing to do with the outside noise. It's just got to do with our performance. We weren't good enough. But it's hard this week not to be aware of all the noise that is around the Wallabies. It was interesting to hear Sonny Bill Williams, uh, an All Blacks great, speaking in Stan's sport TV coverage. If I'm a player, and I'm going to carry on here, if I'm a player from a player's point of view, I'm not following a guy that's sitting, having a meeting with another national team, potentially looking for another job days before you're hopping on the plane. Do you get the sense that it was one of many factors that led to what is a historic defeat today? 
I think the reality is, Pat, that the players absolutely would have not only heard about the story, but they would have read about it. There's no doubting that. James Slipper was in press this week and he was talking about how difficult it is for the younger guys because they love social media. It's hard for young players, you know, where they get sent that social media, you know, directly to them. They get tagged in it. They get, you know, their friends send it to them. Their family are reading it. So there's no doubt the players would have been very aware of it. I think it's a real shame because these are young players on the biggest global stage. And for Dave Parecki, who's a very inexperienced captain, he has had to sit through some incredible press conferences with Eddie Jones. At the end of the World Cup, there'll be a there'll be a review mate and given the results we've had then maybe Australian rugby doesn't want to keep me. Can you imagine being the captain you're inexperienced you're sitting next to the coach and you have to listen to this it's got to have an effect on the players however I will say I was blown away Pat at how upbeat the players were at the captain's run but it has got to have had an impact on you touch on Phil War's uh, assertion that they are committed to Eddie Jones for the long haul. That was before this particular outcome. Do you get the sense that things could have potentially shifted at all? Is it the right thing for Rugby Australia to be continuing forward with Eddie Jones? I get the sense, Pat, that if there is any truth in the story that was written in the Sydney Morning Herald and the journalist Tom Decent insists that that story was accurate... If Phil War, if Rugby Australia were to find out that Eddie had told them he didn't participate in a Zoom in the process, he didn't apply for the Japanese rugby coaching role, but it turned out that he actually did. I don't know how they continue with that relationship and there will be a review and it's just a matter of waiting to see what comes out of that review and how this relationship continues and I think very much it will depend, Pat, on whether there's any truth to that story about the Japanese senior coaching role. It's one thing to zero in on the coach, Murph, but former Wallaby Stephen Hoyles made the point this is also about systemic problems in the sport. He thinks we need to cull super rugby teams if we're going to consolidate our talent base. What changes should Aussie rugby be making if they want to address broader issues? There are so many changes that need to be made. I hate to say this because I'm a huge supporter of having five super rugby teams. I think it's so important. But I think we now need to acknowledge the fact that super rugby players are turning up to play a test level and they are not at an adequate level that means that they can compete with the top rugby nations of the world. It's not just about winning World Cups, it's actually winning consistently between World Cups that, uh, that's, that's actually really important. And you know, we've seen that uh, in Super Rugby but also in test matches between World Cups we haven't performed uh, where we'd like to perform. But it's widely accepted that the Super Rugby competition in Australia and the environment is not preparing players for test level and something needs to be done about that. Now there's 
been a lot of talk about centralization. We've seen the statement. We've seen that the states agree it should happen. But what we need to know now is what does that mean in real terms? How much control will the governing body have over, most importantly, the high-performance programs of each Super Rugby Club? Because if high-performance programs at every club aren't up to the level they should be, the Wallabies will continue to have a problem. That could take a long time to implement. It's a tough day for Australian rugby. Fingers crossed this can be a moment of catharsis for the sport in Australia. Catherine Murphy, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Pat. Headlines. In men's cricket, Australia has now lost five straight one days after suffering defeat from India. The hosts racked up an enormous five for 399 from their 50 overs, but rain meant the target was adjusted down to 317 from 33 overs. The Australians never really got going, all out for 217. David Warner did score 53, but his innings will probably be remembered for taking guard right-handed against Ravi Ashwin, attempting a switch hit, i.e. left-handed, and being dismissed, LBW. Oh, that should be out. How close, up goes the finger. India lead the best of three series 2-0 with a game to play. That comes fresh off the back of a series loss to South Africa. Australia running out of time to find some form ahead of the ODI World Cup in India. Football and Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham has drawn 2-2 with arch-rivals Arsenal in an explosive North London derby. Spurs trailed twice but fought back to share the points. The game was seen as something of a litmus test for the Ange ball Spurs and they held their own. They sit fourth on the overall standings after six fixtures, four points off unbeaten Manchester City. AFL and grand final week is often about injury stories. Who's going to play? Who's not going to quite make it? Well, Collingwood forward Daniel McStay has been ruled out with a knee injury, but the club is hopeful Taylor Adams could recover from his hamstring strain in time to take on Brisbane. For the Lions, Jack Payne is hoping to recover from an ankle issue, while Lockie Neal has talked down concerns around his troublesome shoulder. And the AFL has announced an assistance package for North Melbourne designed to help the cellar dwellers return to on-field success. The Kangaroos will get an end-of-first-round draft selection this year, two end-of-first-round draft selections in 2024, as well as two additional rookie list spots. However, those 2024 benefits could be reviewed and revoked depending on the team's performance. One to watch. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Stan Sport and Fox Sports for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.